This is a HeadGum Podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have good Christian fun. That was Ariana DeBose at the BAFTAs. Crushing it. Absolutely fighting for her life <laughs> as she sings a, a sort of tribute song to all the nominees this year for Best Actress or whatever the category was. Anna Darmus loved you in Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Blanchette Kate something song. Amazing. Which, why wouldn't you just say Kate Blanchett? Blanchette Kate doesn't make it. She's an artist. Obviously, but I was out of breath listening to her <laughs> do that. She's a talented woman. She she's is. She's an Academy Award winning she's woman. Amazing. Um, what happened? But perhaps she's, uh, I don't know. If you read some interviews, she kind of Cynthia Revo's herself sometimes where it's like, uh-oh, uh, what, what do you like? But I, I know that we're in the middle, at least as of recording this, maybe not seven days later when this actually comes out, but we're in the middle of a cultural moment. I was out to dinner with a friend of mine, our friend Julia. Mm-hmm. And nearby at a table, I heard two men go, Angela Bassett did the thing. (laughs) (laughs) And they kept saying it over and over again. And that's when you know it's penetrated the culture. When people are having conversations. The BAFTAs. That's right. Who cares about the BAFTAs? We all do now. We do. Mm -hmm. Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about not the BAFTAs, but Christian pop culture, the music and the movies and the entertainment made for and made by Christians. But we're not here to make fun of you. And we're not here to make you go to church. We're just here to have fun and talk about recording artist Leon Patillo today. This was uh, an artist we were inspired to talk about, I think, for the first time deciding in the moment yes, of the previous episode. on air. We have to talk about this man. We, had, we had <laughs> watched one of his music videos before Earth Calling, mm-hmm. uh, or Love Calling, excuse me. And then while interrogating uh, Daryl Hammond, what was his name? Daryl Evans. <laughs> The, the depths of Daryl Evans. Daryl Evans, who a friend of mine, uh, when we posted the episode today, got my DMs and said, oh, did you talk about his addiction to gambling? And I said, yes, we did mention it. He said, yeah, my dad was on the board of blah, blah, blah. And they had to shelve his album that was oh going to come out at the time because his gambling addiction broke and was uh, somewhat of news Whoa. and not, not uh, a fun situation. But Leon's got no gambling addiction that I can... There's still Vince. time. Yeah, there is still He's time. He's still with us. He's still with us. Anything can happen. He's still very active, too. We'll talk about it. But before we do that, we need to introduce a very special friend to talk about him with. Friends and folks, a returning guest. You may know him from his podcast, The People's Theology, or the Black Sheep Podcast. Give it the hell up for Mason Minigan. Hey, King. You actually said my last name correctly. It's like you've been practicing. Thank you. I said it wrong. Wait, what did you say? I don't want to say it again. Did you put a little flair on it? I I said Mason Membrane. Okay, Emma, I want you to take that in the edit, and I want you to dub it over whatever I said. Turn Kevin. And put her in both left and right channel for that. Okay. (laughs) Miniga. Yeah. Like uh, what? What? What's a what's a sort of like mnemonic device you give people to remember how it's pronounced? Like Minaga, like I feel like it's synagogue, yeah. or is that? You know, I don't really go that route just because there's too many things going on with it. But I just tell people it's it's exactly pronounced the way it's spelled: men and ga. Men and ga. 
There is an N. Nailed it. Men and Ga. Men and Gaga. That'd be like people who are into Lady Gaga. Uh, we can just do this for the rest of the episode. <laughs> just kind of like free word association. Mason, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. I mean, we'll, let, we'll take a little peek behind the curtain. We're doing back-to-backsies today. We are doing back-to-backsies. You and I are. I, you were so gracious to invite me on your own podcast um, episode last night uh, that I recorded for the Black Sheep Podcast, and we did, uh, maybe we shouldn't spoil it, or maybe we should tease it, but it's something that's coming out a few months from now. Probably, yeah, I would say, you know, at, at the time of the recording today, which is at the end of February, yeah, I would say maybe sometime in like April sounds great. Whoa. Does that sound good to you? It sounds great to me. I'm I'm really Wonderful. honestly marveled at the proposition of recording a podcast more than eight days in advance. Yeah, that sounds extremely rigorous <laughs> to me. <laughs> sounds disciplined. Do you have a project manager? How do you handle do you that? Have an assistant? Like, <laughs> uh, what, what do you do? I, you know, it is next level when you've got, uh, your co-host is like in the midst of the busiest time of his, his life. And so it's like, well, we just got to get it all in now I do it now because it's, uh, we're not going to be recording <laughs> in quite some time. Uh, so I see trying to get all of that, trying to hit it all, uh, right now and we'll see what happens. Okay. That makes sense. That's smart. And then a quick follow-up question. Did you see Wakanda forever? <laughs> uh, do, 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 do. is that the. When Angela, the, there was the first one, right? It was the one where the Angela Bassett one? did the thing. Yeah, I was asking because I wanted to see if you agreed that Angela Bassett <laughs> did the thing. Oh, I, I'm, I'm like, I, now I'm not as pop culture savvy as you. Like, if we're talking about like Left Behind, uh, or God's Not Dead, <laughs> or any like Tooth and Nail band, mm. that's where I got you. But uh, mm. anything outside of that, uh, any of that secular crap, I don't know any of it. So Angela Bassett is crap and didn't do the thing, wow. according okay. to Mason. So Mason will go on record saying Angela Bassett may or may not have done the thing, don't know, and haven't don't participated care. in the conversation. Are you excited about the fresh Left Behind film that we're going to be getting so very soon? Oh, we got it like a month ago. Oh, it already came out? Yeah. Okay, are you excited about the fresh one that just came out? Sorbonne. You know, I haven't seen it yet, uh, and I haven't. I, I know that there's like a new God's Not Dead that's coming out too. It, it feels like we're at the height of like Christian yeah. uh, martyrdom uh, cinema right now. It's great. <laughs> oh my gosh! They've got the funding. And lockdown, like the the extended cinematic universe, is going strong. <gasps> what if there's a crossover with Left Behind and God's Not Dead? Like Sorba, but, like- <laughs> but he stars in oh, both. <laughs> So what can he do? Exactly. He's been in both. He or I guess he died himself. in the first one. <laughs> Maybe they'll do like a meta take on it. Like Scream 3 was about Scream 1 being filmed. <laughs> maybe maybe something like that. Or like Parker Posey plays Courtney Cox. I mean, I have a lot of faith in them. Um, um, God's Not Dead Babies. <laughs> it's like the, or the teen generation of God's Not Dead characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's lots to explore. <laughs> there's lots to explore. Uh, and we'll we'll figure it out in the Pure Flicks writer's room next time. Mason, uh, we haven't had you on the show in about a year and a half. I, I would say, say it's about a year and a half now. Uh, and I had a hell of a time before, and I'm just excited again. I couldn't believe you were like wanting to bring me back on. I thought I blew my my one and only chance. So this is, this is exciting. <laughs> hell yeah, King. I mean, the Duh. amount, I will say, uh, based alone, not only on how well the guest appearance went, but the number of Mason Minaga tweets that I've shared in the group chat, like I'm just doing a search on Mason in my text right now, and it's it's a lot of them. Boy, howdy. Uh, Taylor Swift is for people whose first tattoo is a Hebrew word, uh, you know, bangers of that nature. You are definitely speaking to <laughs> the crossover intersection where our audience lives. So mm. going strong with that. Well, I'm 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 glad to glad to be a part of it. Uh, this this uh, will be a good time, and I'm excited to talk about an artist that uh, I honestly didn't hear or know about until you texted me today. So it, it's fun to get something out of the strike zone of like, what's the nineteenth thing we can say about Smitty? What's another sort of variation <laughs> on critique of Amy Grant's songwriting styles? Well, Leon, Leon's a blank slate, baby. We we got a lot to say about him. What was our topic the first time you were on, by the way? We we uh got the screening for Jesus music and we chatted about that. That's right. Yes. Oh yes, the, the entrepreneur handbook, the <laughs> blueprint. And I maybe we'll 
we'll, we'll just go ahead and continue in the, in the tradition. Those same brothers, I believe, are bringing us the Jesus Revolution starring Frazier as Chuck Smith next week, and we will be covering it on the show, a sort of fictionalized telling of the Jesus music and its roots in early Southern California in the 1970s. Hmm. So that's on the docket. And, uh, back when all those Christians were still uh, coming off all those drugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, who said they were off the drugs? <laughs> you okay. Saying? You ever tripped on the Holy Spirit, brother? <laughs> it is so funny already because uh, my algorithm's so washed now. I get recommended videos for like, here's Kelsey Grammer talking about <laughs> Jesus Revolution. <laughs> as like, like, you might like this. Unfortunately, I will like this. And, and I, I watch it. <laughs> I started watching a little interview he'd done on the Today Show of like, I was at home and I, I was thinking I wanted to do something more meaningful. And then the script showed up oh the next day. And, blah, 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 and it's just... He's, he's Dennis Quading out. He's going to talk about loving Jesus, going it, to church for weeks. It's so funny. It's all <laughs> unbelievable stuff. So we look we look forward to that. And the idea of like, I don't know, like maybe... I, I'm We're always looking for cinematic universes, for crossovers. Is Frasier going to be part of the Jesus revolution in the 1970s? What's going to happen we don't know here's maybe something that the three of us could be pretty accurate about mm. is who is the next mainstreamer that is going to start starring in christian films ariana debose <laughs> <laughs> based on that that's that's a good that's a really good question because i feel like we're starting to see to be like what chris evans the pattern maybe? He's like gotten become, he's, he's too become liberal, like, right? Like you have to kind of I be I thought the whole thing was like how conservative he actually has become. Chris Evans? Isn't that the You're I'm thinking missing. of Chris Pratt, sir. Oh yeah, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, that's yeah. what See, like I said, I don't know my pop culture at all. <laughs> no, you were close though. Um Chris Pratt yeah, is a Chris pretty right. good guess. I feel like it would be several decades before he does Christian film because mm -hmm. he's still kind of like riding his main his leading man crest right now he's got to run for he's got a campaign for certain offices <laughs> before yeah he gets to that state. Got a whole other career to do well let's run him down like who are some good example we got dennis quaid dennis quaid we, zachary Kelsey levi Grandma, zachary, zachary levi Grammer. yeah died in the wool um anti-vaxxer what if it's ezra miller just the only one that'll take them with the DC, <laughs> dcu like toss-offs like is it levi and I feel like it's someone who, yeah, already has a little bit of a conservative leaning, so they're open to the industry and also is maybe not getting offered the best roles anymore, but does still have some kind of like A, B list name recognition, you know? It's such... Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are bad at this. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell, Rosie would Ezra never. Miller. <laughs> Have you been up. around Christianity at all, ever? Um, let's no, see. Roseanne could do it. Roseanne has been Roseanne ostracized. Roseanne is actually, she, yeah. She could do something that's about like Jesus getting canceled the way she was canceled totally. from her show. Something of that nature. Um, but I'm str I'm struggling to think of like because because Mason had it on point of like who's who's given Republican right now? Yeah, you have to be giving Republican. That'll slot into that. I don't know. Kristen Annie Bell, of course, comes to mind, but I don't think that she'll need to do this for a long time. No, she got frozen money. She doesn't need. Yeah, to do she's that. solid. Right? Maybe Dax will. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to get in the game again. I could see that. Okay, so so far, <laughs> potential nominees: Rosie O'Donnell, Ezra Miller, Roseanne, Bell, Roseanne, yeah, Dax Shepard, maybe Chris Pratt. I could see any of them making the pivot. All right, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Mason, just catching up on the last year or so that it's been since we've talked on this show. Yep. You know, on your podcast, you talk so much, obviously. Uh, similar to the strike zone we're in as well of nostalgia, music from the past, the 80s and 90s, crossing over into the 2000s, especially when it comes to the hardcore scene and whatnot. Have you noticed anything changing in the last year, whether it's in the pop culture conversation of Christianity or about the, the conversation of Christian pop culture in particular? Are there any shifts you see? Because 
you know, based on your online presence alone, you got your F on the P, your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. I'm glad that that the F on the P is finger on the pulse yeah. and not uh, any other thing. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I think one of the things that I've noticed, and I don't know if I talked about this on the, the previous time that we chatted, but one of the things that I notice all the time is with all the folks that like end up leaving evangelicalism, and there's a lot of them, including some of the big name like musicians and actors and, you know, all the people that have been in that world. It seems like the people, especially in the music world, the people who were in the more like alternative type scene, whether that was hardcore music, alternative music, indie music, whatever it might be, those people seem to leave that Christian music industry at a much higher rate than like the CCM artists that we were talking about yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we talked about some of the artists uh, from the CCM world that did end up leaving that world. Uh, but it just seems like a lot of those like tooth and nail bands and, you know, those kind of like more alternative type of Christian music bands end up leaving evangelical. And I'm like, I find that really interesting. Like, is there something about that music scene that uh, creates that phenomena versus the CCM world where it's mostly like worship music and pop music and much more mainstream sounding of music? I've always that's something I've like wondered. And uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys have. What's your what is your theory of why they're leaving more so well i my guess is that you get these artists that are coming out of the alternative music scene and that that type of scene really values creativity and really values kind of this like um uh like countercultural uh type of uh way of being and what's interesting is it seems like a lot of those artists end up really actually embracing that over the evangelical world which is like very like Let's just do the same thing over and over. There's a reason why it's like three chords in a cloud of dust type of worship music. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, when you're in the evangelical world and you're like tied to Republican politics, it's very much like not countercultural at all. And so you get like these artists that feel like they're probably in this tension of do I embrace like what this music scene, this punk scene really embrace like values or do I embrace the actual evangelical world? And you so, you usually see like artists go one way or the other. You get artists like David Bazan, who ultimately chose kind of that more punk value. And then you have artists like Skillet, who did start out in that really alternative scene, and they ended up becoming really mainstream. And there's a reason why their sound ended up becoming like Imagine Dragons. Mm-hmm. So I find that really, really interesting. Uh, and so I don't know. I, that That's my theory is that there's actually like this tension that they feel between the evangelical music scene and the like general market, like punk or alternative music scene. Mm-hmm. And there's different values going on between those two scenes, and they have to choose one at the end of the day. Well, I think... The thing that comes to my mind when you first posit that idea is that those genres feel predicated on the values of authenticity and candor. The idea, like, right. like punk and 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 even like punk ska, <laughs> like Five Iron Frenzy stuff, where we were mm-hmm. talking the other day about like they kind of half of the band or maybe most of them age out of Christianity. But it doesn't feel like a conflict of interest of what was at the core of their music to begin with, exactly. Because the whole yeah. thing was the whole thing was a presentation of Christianity that was maybe where like a lot of genres, like general pop or rock, would be at least in Christian terms more about the fealty to faith and devotion and commitment and steadfastness. The the thing on the on the other end of the spectrum, and even when we we've covered bands like that, like Under Oath or Pedro the Lion, um, their whole thing is like they will write songs about God. I'm sad, and you're not here, and then that's the song. There's no bridge where it's like, and then you showed up and we hugged. Like right. it just kind of stays there. So it feels natural that they would follow those authentic ends, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That they would just keep going down that path. I, mm-hmm. I think that's why the divide would be. Mm. Yeah. Well, that and I, it seems like a lot of those bands like Under Oath, uh, David Bazan, Pedro the Lion, they ended up also touring and being in the same scene as a lot of like secular bands that and I, I would imagine in that kind of tour cycle, you end up encountering different ideas that you hadn't encountered when you were just at youth group. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so I, I find that really, really interesting. I, I had this conversation 
with this guy uh, who used to write, I think, for like Christianity Today. Like he did a lot of their culture and music stuff. And he wrote this book a while back. Uh, and we talked about like what happened to Christian music. And we were kind of discussing like this whole history of tooth and nail bands being, you know, very distinctly Christian. And then all of a sudden that whole music industry completely changes. And one of the things I brought up, though, was the fact that the bands like Cayman's Call and Mercy Me, all those bands got their start in the church, as well as like the Under Oath bands uh, of the world. The difference between the two was the Under Oath bands were playing in the church youth group room downstairs mm-hmm. and the Mercy Me's and Cayman Calls were playing in the sanctuary upstairs. <laughs> and I wonder like if that like sort of metaphorical divide or that actual physical divide also has some sort of like metaphorical divide in terms of those those uh bands that were playing in the youth group basement really were underground in a way uh and and that really creates a type of way that they're going to exist in the world moving forward uh which then i think naturally leads a lot of them out of christianity or at least evangelicalism whereas the mercy me's of the world they're always getting you know the the recognition because they were the band upstairs yeah. I I think also the <clears throat> the uh underside of what you guys are saying as well. Um I reminded of when we talked to Lee Nash. That was a huge band. Sixpence on the Richer was really really popular. Their audience loved them, but she even said that she always felt some resistance and like lack of acceptance within Christianity. So I imagine for these bands even though their audience adored them and understood what they were doing, whenever they did have to encounter mainstream or the CCM industry at large, there was always some degree of resistance and having to prove themselves or explain themselves in a way that maybe DC's talk didn't have to. And when you're always kind of like striving to get your own world to like accept you, when that world starts starts to falter and the CCM industry changes and isn't as powerful or all-encompassing as it used to be, I imagine it feels a lot easier to be like, you know what, actually, I never liked you guys anyway, and like, <laughs> I'm going to go now. And you never really embraced me, so there isn't like a lot of reward for sticking around and like towing the line at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think like Joy Williams is probably another example of that who got her start in that world and then ended up ultimately, you know, I, I don't know if Joy would even describe herself as a Christian anymore. And mm-hmm. certainly she's not making that type of music. Uh, and so well, she's yeah. a veteran. She'd describe herself as a veteran of mm. the civil wars. <laughs> Does anyone <laughs> like that joke? <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. The divide you're talking about of like youth group versus big church. If like the, the, there's an inherent idea of like, yes, children are better bullshit sniffers than, <laughs> than adults. Right. For adults, like the function of music is like, it's it's fine. Yeah, whatever. You can play whatever you want. It's like wallpaper or, or the function is a little more perfunctory. Whereas with kids, it's a little more identity building and important. The alignment of like, what does this say about me that I like these people? And so I wonder if there's some overflow that I've never thought about that before like the youth group stuff. Although there's obviously exceptions to the rule, like Newsboys, you know, adult wiggles. But then they became like an adult band, I guess. Because the the incarnation of Newsboys now is like way more AOR, adult contemporary, whereas like in 94, I guess it was like, hey kids, let's have breakfast in hell or whatever the song is. So, So I guess there's exceptions to the rule. And another exception, another exception to every role is a gentleman named Leon, Leon Patillo. And we're going to talk about him right after the break. We'll be right back with more good Christian fun. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. 
Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Good Christian Fine. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. Leon Patillo. Leon Patillo, who is a singer-songwriter, and he he is quite a songwriter. He started in a band called Leon's Creation, oh, which was sort of a, uh, in the vein of a Sly and the Family Stone, just like a big sort of party band, uh, funk, soul type. And he was also, notably, before he did his own solo work in the Christian music space, a part of Carlos Santana's band, in the 1970s. And so, in fact, Carlos Santana does have a songwriting credit on one of the songs on this album that we're talking about today. Oh my gosh. The last song, River. And I'm sure we will go through a definitive rankings of our rivers. Um, may they be Joni Mitchell. <laughs> may they be Bruce. May they be Leon. And and we'll, we'll figure out, you know, where we fall on all of these. Uh, but yeah, that that's his whole deal. He he has talked in interviews before about how he had this passion for music that kind of like peaked in the 80s and it does start trailing off a little bit as you get into the 90s. Although not before he does uh he does end up doing stand up. He does transition a pivot to stand up. Oh my gosh. A little bit. Did uh, you find any footage of that? You know I did. Oh my god. <laughs> One that's that. less. Oops, free. not that oh, one. Adam Conover. He's ruining everything. Oh no! I got the wrong, got the wrong, wrong tabby. freaking tabby. Okay, Leon Patil. <laughs> He's got an album called "A Funny Thing Happened." Actually, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna share the screen with you, Mason, just so you can see <laughs> sort of situation. And of course, none <laughs> of this would be complete without uh, a sort of visit from the Encyclopedia of CCM. Uh, Powell writes, in 1986, Patillo tried a slight career change and worked for a time as a stand-up comic. The album, A Funny Thing Happened, presents him in this mode, relating humorously paraphrased biblical stories that have often been told in concerts. Uh, and so he did try this for a little bit. Uh, the how would, you how would you describe this album cover, by the way? <laughs> There's like a little piggy on it. There's an old woman trying to hear. There's a big fish, perhaps Jonah and the whale. But the subtitle is Classic Comedy and Livable Lessons, which is sort of the subtitle for our podcast <laughs> as well, I'd like to think. Um, let's... He's give, He's got his arms akimbo, and he's doing kind of like a guy's face. You come know? on. Yeah. I didn't want to get saved. I mean, I was minding my own business. I was dating this young lady, and I had no idea her brother was a Christian. But man, every time I came over to the house, this brother was on my case like white on rice. <laughs> Huge laugh. Like black on night. <laughs> okay. Equal opportunity employment, no. <laughs> 
Uh... And I tell you, I don't care how I came to the house. If I came front door, side door, back door, attic, underneath the house, it was like this brother was the butler. <laughs> so, <laughs> I decided I would do something slick. Instead of me going up to the house, I'd beep the horn outside. <laughs> you know. And that worked cool for about two weeks. Man, after about two weeks, I beeped the horn. Guess who? So that was the last straw. I said, okay, cool. I'm going to a Bible study with this brother because I figure if I can learn some scripture, maybe when I came over to the house, I could just quote him some scripture, step on around him and go see his sister. <laughs> Didn't work. Anyway, some classic gems like that. That's fun. <laughs> Reminds me of a clean comedy night I went to in Irvine years ago. I mean, ago. That, is, that, that night lives in infamy. <laughs> For many a reason. Truly. A little more about his background. He worked in LA doing vocal arrangements and backup arrangements for funk and soul singers in the 1970s. He started making his own demo take tapes to be, you know, to have a solo career. It did fall into Carlos Santana's hands. And he was a singer-songwriter, so they were all his own songs. Santana hears it and says, these songs are bad, but you're a good singer. Do you want to join our band? <laughs> we'll take the singer. We'll leave the songs. So while he's touring with Santana's band, it's sort of the the, the flop era of the Santana's career and, and that particular group and outfit. And during this time... Uh, Patillo converts to Christianity and then he gets uncomfortable with the stuff that he has to sing about in his mm. band. So he's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to be my own Christian singer. So he breaks out and he does his own thing. He also, according to this encyclopedia, does convert Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind & Fire to Christianity. So we have him to thank for any Earth, Wind & Fire uh, spirituality in the future. But overall, we listen to this song uh, I'll never stop loving you. And it is L-O-V-I-N apostrophe. There's no G on there. It's nine songs released in 1982. And overall, what do we think of this album? What were our first impressions listening to this Just Shy of 10 song set, 40 minutes long? Uh, there is so much repetition. Just like the same like verses, the same choruses, the same words, just like sing over and over. So it like, it really is kind of that like worship structure, but it is like true funk music. I mean, at the end of the day, it is very funky. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some really great bass lines and everything, but I just loved like how much like this is designed for a church, even though I don't think like, especially a lot of like the CCM, like white world would be able to play most of this stuff because <laughs> oh. there's some like interesting baselines that uh, let's just be honest. Most uh, white churches are not going to be. Playing. Don't have the skill. Caroline, what, what were your first impressions of listening to the album? Um, I really enjoyed this album. I love funk music and <laughs> I love funk music <laughs> the way I now, uh, pronounced it. But uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy that style. And so I thought I would get like a little bit more from Leon based off that one song we listened to last week. There were a couple, uh, yeah, maybe like a handful of snoozers on this album, I'd say. But there were enough that really like packed in some energy and joy and kind of that like party feel that it made me a fan of Leon personally. Listen, there's always going to be a handful of snoozers. I think he wrote every song on the album but one. He did not write Praise Ye the Lord. That song already existed before. But coming out pretty fresh <clears throat> out the gate with not John 3.16, but perhaps the one right after John 3.17. <laughs> and like as a feature of the genre, like you were saying, Mason... Pretty repetitious. Let's see if we can hit the goalposts on this first song by Leon Patello. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So let the Just warming up. So that the world might be saved through him. God 
Step back to the chorus. Here we go. <laughs> Slow it down again. <laughs> and go to the part where they uh, hit it. Which one? They go, wonderful. Where is that? Oh, maybe I'm making that up from another song, but yeah, I think I think it's another song. Yeah, it's another song. So I like any Christian song that's mostly about what God didn't do. (laughs) That's mostly (laughs) describing God in negative space. I will say that idea of God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That does feel a little bit nicer, I think, than what you'd find in a lot of CCM, in a lot of Christianity, uh, perhaps as as like a sort of palate cleanser from other fire and brimstone sort of imagery. But but it's like, it's almost like a, a correction to songs that came before. Like, hey, just so we're clear, God did not send his son <laughs> into the world to condemn the world. I, I didn't mind it. I feel like it, uh, it bears repeating, uh, literally, I guess. But I think that <laughs> a it's a lot. It's nice. Um, you know, he could have talked about John three sixteen. We all know that jazz mm-hmm. um, about what God did. And I, I, I honestly had forgotten the verse that comes after that and what it talks about and how we are not condemned under God, that we're not worthless, we're not worms, et cetera, et cetera. We are here to to receive mercy and to be covered, which is kind of nice. Yeah, that sounds nice to me too. Yeah, it reminds me of, the, I think that's like a newer song within maybe the last 10 years or so. And I don't, I honestly have no idea who does it, but there's like a Christian worship band that does like uh, the Apostles Creed and they just like keep repeating the Apostles Creed over and over. So it like had a similar vibe to to that where it's just like you're repeating the same thing over and over and over and yeah, over. Yeah, like a meditation. Or like hypnotherapy. Yeah. God did not send his son into the world <laughs> to, to to condemn the world. Okay, we got ties by those bass lines. <laughs> That's right. We got a few snoozers on here. The most streamed song on the album is a song called Cornerstone. I believe it did win the Dove Award for Song of the Year, knocking off Amy Grant from the same oh, from yeah. the same award. That's right. <laughs> Which it kind of has the feel of like a slow Russian dance yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> uh-huh. I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, a sure foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. He that believe it shall shall not make it. This is where one. Oh, this is it. I lay in Zion. In the Russian oh, dance halls. And we'll cut to the chorus. And so on and so forth. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's like the first years of any decade is kind of shaken off the remnants of the last decade. So it's the 90s until like 2003, basically. And it's the 70s until maybe like 1983, 1984. It's like Christian music is always like five years behind. Like whatever Coldplay (laughs) released in like 2005, that's what Christianity was going to sound like in 2010. (laughs) Exactly. We're still in a Lady Gaga phase in uh, CCM right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which phase? Joanne or yeah, the Monsters? Actually, fame. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, okay, I don't think we need to go over some of the snoozers, but other standout tracks on here, other oh, songs that perhaps, what's that? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> This is how we do it. Yeah. This is where you can kind of hear the slide of the Family Stone influence, perhaps. Blessed be the name of the 
certainly you don't hear as many singers in the CCM canon, and especially, obviously, contemporarily, enjoying themselves so much as he does here, as he seems to do here. There's a singer who seems to enjoy and love singing and the act of singing shall be praised. Like, I feel like that's just not a feature you get as much. I mean, perhaps you still get it in gospel and whatnot, but this is, you know, this is notable for being a CCM sort of mainstream release. Right. And not vaunted off to a whole separate, uh, perhaps like (laughs) segregated racially category of music. Right. Yeah, this song reminds me of like, if there was an outro to a Christian spinoff of Soul Train called Saving Souls Train. Oh, yeah. And I could (laughs) see this being like the outro song every episode. As we were listening to this song, I was loving it. And then I was made so depressed by the idea of a group of like white worship leaders doing this song and just just destroying it. Um, But seeing it with like all the same energy... Um, and I pray that never happens to Leon and his beautiful music. Well, I don't think you're going to find yourself in that sort of context uh, ever true. again, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that reminds me, did you see this video recently within like, I don't know, the last year or so of Haley Williams for Paramore? And she was like at like a, I don't know if it was like a black church or not, but like she was singing gospel music with like a bunch of black artists. And she like was nailing it. I mean, wow. like, had you not know it was like Haley White Williams, you would have. I've never heard her sing like that. Yeah, you would have guessed that she was like a black gospel singer. Um, she can really belt it. And I want like, who do you think in the CCM world could pass? Like, who is like a white artist in the CCM world that you think could totally do that? Uh, um, careful when you say that, because Toby Mac will appear. <laughs> do his very best Just <laughs> say that quietly it's if you say we're tearing down the walls of segregation three times toby <laughs> mac does appear unfortunately it's, it's, i did it first it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> my idea uh but someone truly technically with the pipes that would be able to essentially like musically code switch in a way that's not shameful or hateful <laughs> sounding <laughs> right Ah, I mean, all of the, this is interesting because all the top people that we talk about for the most part are not technically excellent singers, right? Right. (laughs) Like, like think about it, Amy, Michael, Steven, freaking, and even like, and I like all these voices, but like Jars, Switchies, Reliant K, like, no one's right. like, oh, God, they got pipes. I'm sure powerhouse. there's someone. <laughs> powerhouse, power team, Jump 5, the little girls from Jump they 5. They do have power. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Lauren Daigle would love to try. She, uh, is it her? <laughs> I feel like she she it does have a pretty her. strong voice, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what her style, her stylings would be, as she would probably her say. Stylings and her crackling. <laughs> Lauren the Bagel Daigle coming out with that. She is on a Rihanna schedule she at is. this point. She's on like, break. It is, it is intense. She took a sabbatical. Frustrating. Good for her. I'll, the, the titular track is, is the one that kind of inspired us to want to do this at all. Oh, right. And it does. I mean, there's, there's a few musical styles it falls under. But to me... The one I'd like to describe it as the most is Welcome to the Island Resort. Your love is so very special, <laughs> so special in every way. Now never stop loving you. Welcome. Speaking of specials, two for one piña coladas tonight. Tender, 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 soft man. This is what inspired Daryl. Yeah. Oh, no. And and I absolutely get it. (laughs) I 100% get it. It's always interesting because it's like, you know, descriptive, descriptive songs about what God is and what love is. Obviously, as we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, people resort to romantic language. 
they they always do. Like that's just kind of the go to. What's the greatest thing that you can experience in life in the material world? Well, I don't know, like a love of a partner or someone that you would want to marry. A Disneyland oh, fairy tale wedding. Disney, a Mickey to your Minnie. <laughs> a Daisy to your Donald. A <laughs> Goofette to your Goofy. Dude, is there Disney adult worship music? What would that be? Disney adult worship <laughs> music. I think that's just what what the songs in Moana are like. Just no, the... it is Christian music. Okay, written from the perspective of a Disney adult. Uh, well, I mean, listen. Holy Spirit is fairy dust. Yeah, Mickey to my minis, me and God, things like that, for sure. Disney adult this... Christian. To all who Go... come to this place, welcome to the house of God. What's that, Mason? I think this song in particular is giving less of Jesus is my boyfriend vibes and more Jesus is my voluptuous wife of 25 years. Vibes. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's a cozy relationship. This is my right? curvy wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love my curvy Jesus wife. Be- yes. Because it does alternate in the lyrics between kind of romantic things and, and theological statements. So your ways are not like my ways. I, I, I wouldn't say that to someone I wasn't in conflict with. <laughs> but then the next line is, your heart is so very warm. So it's like, we believe in God the Father. And also, I love being cozy with you. It feels like it's both at the same time. Uh-huh. You helped me through the storm. You've treated, though you're treated so unnecessary, you helped me through the storm. I don't deserve you. None of us do. I'll never stop loving you. Love that. I love that. Like that vision of like, yes. Long term, 25 years into your vows. And then what does your marriage look like? It looks like something even better than like that spark, that initial thing that you feel. It turns into something different over time. And that's what our relationship with God is like. Any other standouts from the album that we might want to take a listen to? Anything that stood out to us lyrically or musically in these nine tracks that we think is notable? River was kind of a snoozer. I mean, Santana was falling asleep at the wheel on that one if he was truly a co-writer on it. It's not exactly for me. Very generic sort of lyrics about it. There, there. I did, I did like the um, inherent sex appeal of Rise and Be Healed, which is a duet about everything that's wrong in America in some ways. And, and if you're worried it's going to be too heavy, well, let, let's just listen to what the first line of the song is. There is no need for our nation <laughs> to suffer things that we do. we got to stop being so still and let the love shine <laughs> through. How can I do it? Somebody tell me. How can I really be free? Set you free, you are truly free indeed. Rise and be Does this feel like a ballad from Cats? Cats, no. <laughs> the, the chorus is hard. I feel like it has so much potential um, when it's starting out. It's kind of lays there. Yeah. But maybe that's what Leon wants. I like this these parts where it's kind of weaving. They're mm-hmm. tossing it back and forth to each other. It's great. Yeah. Sexy hot potato. Yeah. Lyrically speaking. Rise and <laughs> yeah. And then it's a war call. What's that, Mason? It just reminds me of when microphones had like that foam, like mustard yellow, uh, like like foam around the microphone, like and just everything in the worship uh, sanctuary was just like the worst colors ever. Uh, I don't know why, but it just Lots gives me taupe. that vibe. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. There was an era in which the windscreens 
my microphones were colorful and it looked dirty. <laughs> and then yeah. one day everyone said, why don't we, why don't, how about the old black now? And then it's like, yeah, yeah the, that looks The better. drummer's in the back totally encaged uh, by like maybe even a separate room. I've seen worship uh, sanctuaries like separate that where room? The, the drummer's in the actual like separate room. I've seen that, uh, that but there's see. a window. So it's like a fishbowl yeah. or something. What? Yeah, I've seen that. Why too. even bother having the drummer at all? That's so funny. Um, I grew up going to a Calvary Chapel, speaking of Kelsey Grammer, and uh, for years, the colors of the building and the sanctuary were peach and teal with like lots of fake plants everywhere. And that feels very of that time, that like mid 80s, 90s um, palette. I think that's absolutely right. And it feels like getting into a (laughs) gross, getting into a time machine. Now, we are, uh, just full disclosure, we are going through um, Leon's discography because that, I think, is how you find all the gems. Evidently, there was a uh, venture into hip-hop, but I don't believe it is on Spotify for our listening (laughs) pleasure. Oh, man. Unfortunately. But, you know, we we got other stuff to listen to later, like, Dance, children, dance, star of the morning, Uh. visions talk, this is the day, go. Much more to uncover and unpack in this very rich text of the discography of Leon Patillo. Mr. Leon. Who, I mean, let's let's get the official word on this. Sometime in the late 80s, uh, you know, or excuse me, sometimes in the 90s, uh, he began hosting his own show, Leon and Friends, for TBN. He started a church in Long Beach started his own independent record label, and now he feels called to speaking engagements and ministry. He does have a functioning website with its own bio up, and he's got a very active YouTube channel. I'm sure oh, really? we could get him on the show. What's he doing on we, YouTube? Uh, a lot of, like, unboxings, a lot of, like, Twitch streams <laughs> of Assassin's Creed. No, I'm just no it's get a lot. Get ready of- with me, <laughs> Leon Patillo. His makeup tutorial. <laughs> no, it's a lot of, um, it, it is a lot of, like, interviews and then, like, just old clips of his stuff. Nice. And, uh. Oh, good for him. He pivoted to video. Very smart. He did pivot to video. He's staying online. That's what you got to do. He's staying relevant. Yeah. Don't, don't give it, He's you know. set up. Oh. Hey, Pastor Jim. Pastor Marilyn. How you guys? Crossroads. What's up? Hey, I know it looks like things have really changed. So things haven't really changed. I don't you think know, that wow, microphone is working Jesus. for him. He's the same. He's the same yesterday. It's just today, ambient room forever. sound. Definitely the and camera. I just want you guys to know that uh, <laughs> God is consistent. He gave us a covenant. Mm-hmm. He gave us a promise. Someone's holding the camera. Till the last minute, all the way to our last breath. Damn. So I just want you to hear Leon. this from me, from my heart to your heart. This is a song called "Don't Give In." He's a piano player, too. He's pretty good. All right, Leon, let's... <laughs> Pandemic. <laughs> Still sounds good. He sounds great. Yeah. He's, he's 76, right? Yeah. Oh. He's the same age as Brian Cox. Isn't that funny? What? (laughs) Wow. As an age comparison. (laughs) So still sounding good. Everyone go out and and, uh, support Leon. Link and subscribe below. Uh, And let's get to our final thoughts. The way this works, Mason, is we're going to give it a roast or a toast or a space between. A holy toast, you know, it's the thumbs up. That's when we send Leon and all his music to heaven. Holy Roast is a thumbs down, unfortunately. It's sad. That's when we send it all. Or if we're not sure, we can turn it to Purgatory, which is... The space between... Caroline, we'll start with you. Um, I feel like this album would be, would be Space Between material, but it is so fun when it's fun, and I just inherently trust Leon Patillo 
in general. And honestly, watching that YouTube video just now really tipped me to over the edge because I think he just seems really sweet. And uh, don't don't Google Leon Patillo Trump. Absolutely. Uh, do oh this. no! No! Oh no! No, Kevin, stop! <laughs> no, not make America great again with choir. Stop it! Oh no! Oh no! We well, have unfortunately. When did he post that? Uh, well, let's check. That is May seventeenth, twenty sixteen. He does have a song called "Make America Great Again" with Cryer. I hate you. You suck. This, this really, this is such a bummer. It's so weird, too. It's just text scrolling over a flag. No, this is a fake. You think it's AI? No, it's impersonating him. Yeah, we can't see his face. This is a deep fake. I don't believe it. Even though it's on his channel. A place where we can have faith again. Yes, I believe that we can. Oh, how, my God. How did he not land on Trump's radar? I feel like he could have had a huge career resurgence oh, had totally. Trump known about this Trump song. was taking anybody he could get. Yeah, he was taking Diamond Wait. and Silk or whatever. Oh, God. Are, yeah. And it's not like Leon is some rando. Like, the dude won Dove Awards. Like, this is <laughs> unbelievable. He has 59 Dove Awards. <laughs> yeah, he's not... An... Wait, what does the description say? It says, Faith is a key component of our human existence. True. May we be like sponges that soak in the good and squeeze out the bad. What? <laughs> Let's all go swimming together in the purity of God's dream for us. Interesting. You know, actually reading this, I, I don't think this is a pro-Trump video. I think this is savvy SEO for Leon because he says nothing about Trump. He says nothing about politics. It's literally just make America great again. And the lyrics otherwise are very generic and just be like, we should have faith. Um, please stop doing this. Stop searching. <laughs> What? No. <laughs> Let's see if he has any words before this, this song. Is he lip syncing? <laughs> what? He's they my... are into it. No, Look at that. Oh, no, my no, Lord. No. <laughs> he's Tayton. He's Tayton. Oh, he's Michael Tayton pretty hard. No. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This is so sad. Uh, an appropriate song for today's holiday. Great what? job, sir. Make America <laughs> great again. Okay, Leon. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know it's a it's a rocky terrain out there to find purchase for your talent, and so I understand you got to do what you got to do sometimes. I don't think you're enjoying it clearly. Um, so you're gonna just by the skin of your teeth, you're keeping a toast from me, sir, because your your music brought me so much joy. Um, please stop singing "Make America Great Again" <laughs> around the country. We don't need that. Please go back to giving us funk. End of review. All right, we turn to Mason. Uh, I'm going to have to give it a toast. Only because, you know, remember the, back in the day, you would see those posters in your youth group room that was like, if you really like uh, Three Doors Down, you'll like Switchfoot. Yeah. Well, to me, this is like, if you liked Earth, Wind, and Fire, you will like Leon, Patilla. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm going to just for that reason alone, where I'm like, this is clearly just him ripping off another band sound so well. Uh, I got to give it a toast. I, I, I'll, I'll totally respect somebody just, you know, copying what's already been done well. That's right. All right. Thank you, Mason. Good take. Well, I find myself in a complicated position right now based on all this new information that we've received <laughs> in the 11th hour Sucks. of this podcast. <laughs> I've talked, I, I, I'm sure, I'm certain, I remember conversations we've had about this, Caroline, about like, uh, and I've talked about this with Ben, because I think uh, my friend Ben, who I think we have the same tick of like, uh, someone saying like, I like this thing, and then I'll just Google like, why they should be absolutely ostracized from society. <laughs> like, uh, Evangeline Lilly, vaccine, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. So I, I apologize for that. But even despite that, you know, I, I think as Lydia Tarr taught us all, we need to separate art from the artist. Exactly. And that was a movie about how good she is and how we should do what she says and believes in. So I'll give it a holy toast to uh, I'm I'm enraptured by his vibe. It's a mood. It's a mood all the way. Yeah. So 
All right, I'm giving it a toast as well. All right. We did it. Leon. I hope people don't think we're trying to make America great again uh, by by <laughs> toasting him. It's it's a separate issue. Well, now that Biden is president, it is great again. <laughs> He's the one who did it. Did you see the <laughs> did you see the video about young Sheldon that they made with AI? No. AI technology is accelerating, gang, and I'm mm. I am scared of it. You're on the AI beat. I I'm getting on there, and, and maybe we'll talk about it later. Caroline. Are you are okay. you roasting AI? Yeah. Ye, I I have a in case AI hears this, I I have a cautious uh, curiosity <laughs> about AI. Respectful curiosity. I don't know. I think there's some good things, and I think there's some bad things mm. about AI. Uh, but in the meantime, Mason, we're gonna bring it down here to a more worshipful, respectful space. You may hear those washy scents in the background. And listen, we're not here to promote ourselves or to plug our projects or to bump into the microphone so Emma can't cut it out while we're talking. We're here to lift those things up to the Lord and perhaps lift up something that we're enjoying in secular culture. The last great thing that we watched, that we read, that we saw, that we listened to, whatever that may be. And as usual, we'll start with Caroline. Um, You can lift me up where I'm making... Instagram great again at Caroline's Farts. That was actually rank. Um, And I am going to recommend a couple things this week. One is a book. It's called Beautiful Country by, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing her name wrong, Kian Julie Wang. Um, Great autobiography about uh, immigrating here from China to Brooklyn in the early 90s. Really fascinating. And then... um, in the trash genre, I'm going to recommend a uh, TV series that I cannot stop watching now that I've started. It's called Below Deck. It's a reality show about uh, the people who work on yacht, super yacht cruises. Oh, yeah. um, and it's it's great. It's very fantastic. You get the kind of workplace reality drama, and then you also get the guests that come on the boat every week who are their own kind of chaos and insanity. So it's a good time. Highly recommend. You're in good company with director and auteur Steven Soderbergh. He loves Below Deck. Every year he releases a culture diary of everything he watches and reads. No way. And there's always a couple of dozen episodes of Below Deck (laughs) on there. That's so great. In between him watching old noirs from the 30s no one's ever heard of or David Fincher's new movie before it comes out it'll be like Below Deck season 5 episode (laughs) 3 he's got taste he does he's not a snob it's great All right, thanks Caroline we turn it to Mason Mason what do you have to lift up for us got a couple things to lift up Uh, one that uh, I really enjoyed Uh, it was a book that I recently listened to an audio book uh, and it's called Other Minds, and it was about octopuses, which also Ooh. I didn't know before reading the book that it's actually pronounced octopuses, not octopi. So if you keep saying octopi, octopi, that's wrong. It's octopuses. Really? Like, excuse to say yes. pusses more, Kevin. Been lied to you. Oh, hey, okay, never mind. I'm back in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's cool. So anyway, it was about uh, the brains of octopuses Ooh. and how it's so weird that an animal so evolutionary different than us uh, developed uh, a really smart uh, brain. Ooh, so, I'm going to check that out. Very, very interesting. Uh, and then uh, I also have a trashy one, um, just like Caroline. Uh, I have been watching a show called Milf Manor, and it is a trashy <laughs> dating show, which I love. And uh, Milf Manor is, uh, like the title suggests, about uh, some hot, single, older women. Uh, yes. But right when you're like, all right, that's already like pretty trashy, that's bad, uh, it gets way worse. Uh, they start dating each other's sons. That's that's right. Sounds so, like the best it TV is, show I've ever 30 seen. 30 Rock joke of Milf Island where they put eighth graders, like, except I guess they're of age in this show. Um, that yeah. sounds so anyway, fun. I really want to lift up Milf Manor. Milf Manor. It's, it just debuted, right? Like there's only one season. Yeah, I think it came out like a couple. Like it, the the first season's still like going on. <laughs> where do you, uh, where can we uh, watch I it? I have the TLC app, and so I keep oh, watching. Oh, TLC! Wow. Okay, great. And people can listen to your podcast everywhere, right? They can. Yeah, wherever you find podcasts, the People's Theology, uh, the Black Sheep Podcast, and actually, literally, like minutes before I jumped on uh, to this uh, interview, I 
just uploaded a new YouTube video, so you all should check out my YouTube videos. Too. He's tubing again. Not not Jeffrey tubing. You tubing. That's a different thing. If you say he's tubing again, T-O-O-B-I-N, you better run. Uh, thank you, Mason. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere and pin, uh, Peloton Instagram, Letterboxd, OnlyFans, freaking. You know, I mean, now I feel like a jerk because both of your recommendations are genuinely fun and for the people and mine was going to be a film I saw on the Criterion channel oh. called McCabe and Mrs. Miller oh, anti-western western starring Warren Beatty and Julie Christie directed by Robert Altman <laughs> hey maybe someone can rent it on Amazon Prime yeah yeah the people's platform yeah. is that what Amazon <laughs> <laughs> this great movie from the 70s that you absolutely need subtitles to hear what's going on in it but it is mesmerizing <laughs> And it stars Warren Beatty as a weird guy wearing a huge coat. And that's what movies are to me. And you can also check out his new special, Dick Tracy Zooms In on AMC+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> or TCM4, whatever the hell it is. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. You can go to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun for more good Christian fun every single week, every single Friday. And you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. In every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. This month's charity is the Downtown Women's Shelter. Friends, this was episode 269, and I think it was very nice. It was a very nice episode. Mason, thank you for joining us on the show, pal. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. And uh, hopefully I didn't blow up. uh, Hopefully I didn't blow my second chance uh, of being on the good Christian (laughs) podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> You've engendered even more goodwill. It's going to happen again. Uh, and you're blowing up the internet right now. You are. And there's nothing left for us to say except for, okay, okay I, I love, love you, Emma. Emma. Amen. Amen. And let's go out <laughs> with Caroline's. No, stop. <laughs> uh, he recruited a choir for this. I don't hear it. A place where we can have faith again. And we'll see you next week. Yes, Goodbye. Goodbye. We can make America great again. Make America great. A place where we can have faith again. Yes, I believe that. That was a HeadGum Podcast.